that's anything but ordinary. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. What you believe might not be Step into the zone of the best unknown UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracies and cover-ups Into the paranormal we go Good evening from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest across the USA. I'm Jeremy Scott. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal, good yet again for us to be with you as Thursday turns into Friday. Tonight's program, Expelling Evil, talking with the Reverend Bill Bean, who will be joining us to talk about case files from his exorcisms. You know, what got me to this point was uh, reading about a, a one particular film, and then I found out about another at that point. There are two films about exorcism that are getting ready to be released, and I'm wondering if it is just convenient timing uh, or if uh, there might be something more to this. I mean... <laughs> Me? Talk about conspiracy theories? Not believing that there is a conspiracy theory here, of course, but entertaining uh, the fact that there are these two films that are debuting within days of each other, one here in the United States and another in Australia. And I'm wondering if there's some collective consciousness at play here. One of those you may have heard about is called The Pope's Exorcist, and I'm not here to promote the movie, but I think uh, it, it gives us... Um, a path into tonight's show for sur- uh, for certain. Uh, the movie stars Russell Crowe, and it's about to hit theaters actually in April. Crowe plays the chief exorcist to the Vatican. It is inspired by the life of the late Roman Catholic priest Gabriel Amorth, who had done over 160,000 exorcisms, they say, of the possessed before he died in 2016. Father Amorth claimed that some uh, can be possessed by more than one demon. Uh, sometimes ranging in the thousands. And so maybe the first exorcism doesn't get it done. As far as that film is concerned, not everybody is happy about how the father is being portrayed in the film. It has garnered some backlash from some over inaccurate sensationalism of an exorcist's ministry. We'll ask Reverend Bean if he feels that some of these films are inaccurately sensationalizing what he does. And in The Land Down Under, an an Australian horror film called Godless, the Eastfield Exorcism is set to premiere in April as well. It is also inspired by True Events, follows a young girl named Laura who is haunted by a demonic figure in both her dreams and her waking life. So those are the films that are set to come out, again, both uh, here within just weeks. We have seen, uh, you know, The Exorcist, the most popular, but there have been others as well, how Hollywood and the film industry, they love 
to capitalize on these stories, and I can understand why, because you don't have to do much uh, interpretation, right? It almost writes itself, uh, I hate to say, because these stories are incredibly dark, and of course, that sells. And when you don't have to do much interpretation and the plot line is delivered to you, uh, there and, and of course it's a scary story, which is what people like. Some people, maybe not you, but there are people who like those kinds of movies out there. It certainly sells. It certainly attracts the attention, whether or not uh, you know they they do certain things to embellish. I guess could be a question that we could ask as well. But there is one thing for sure. We do know that these evil forces can take on a very, very dark persona. They can take one to a very, very dark place where the only way out is to have them expelled through an exorcism. Do you know anybody like that in your life where you think that uh, things might be a little off? Maybe they might have something going on with them. It's possible, but maybe not as common as we might believe. The Catholic Church, though, for whatever reason, is reporting an increase in the demand for exorcisms, uh, for the better or for the worse. I guess if it works, it's for the better. Uh, if it if it makes it worse, it it's not. Or the fact that we're needing more of these services today, uh, obviously can't can be considered uh, a good thing. But over the last two decades, that has been the case. And what used to be a relatively small number of exorcists has increased to a few hundred over the years. The need for this kind of deliverance can be attributed to the collapse of traditional religious institutions and beliefs or preoccupation. That's the belief that one needs an exorcism when they do not. It has been stated that only one in about 5,000 people who claim to be possessed actually are. Only in the past decade has the Pope recognized the International Association of Exorcists, which is a group founded by priests including Father Amorth, who we mentioned a moment ago, in order to educate clergy in this realm of spiritual battle and to teach the rite of exorcism, the organization which includes Orthodox, Protestant, and Catholic Exorcist is holding its training course this month, from my understanding, citing that there is a pastoral emergency. But from the creation of mankind, there has seemingly been this war between good and evil that has been playing out, a battle for the human soul, we could say, that manifests through forms of possession and even attachments. So we welcome back on the program after many years, Reverend Bill Bean, who has come face-to-face with demons possessing people and places and things. He's a world-renowned exorcist, a spiritual deliverance minister, who has helped thousands of people all across the world. His spiritual warfare deliverance ministry addresses curses, attachments, oppression, and possession by demonic spirits. He has appeared on the television series A Haunting, Ghost Nation, Fright Club, The Holzer Files, and I Was Possessed. He's the author of many books, the latest, Tales from an Exorcist. Reverend Bean, welcome. 
Thank you so much, Jeremy. It's great to be back with you. And uh, boy, did you ever say a mouthful there. Well, I'll give you a mouthful in return. Take it away. Well, uh, it's just been certainly since the last time I was on with you, I've just, my case files have probably at least doubled or more. Um, my operation is almost like a 24 seven operation. Now it's just incredible. If I'm not traveling somewhere to help somebody, then I do sessions via Skype and phone with people, uh, from all over the world. There are, there are people suffering in so many ways now. And I agree with what you said in the opening that, um, it is rare, however, increasing, um, to where people are under a full demonic possession. Uh, most of this entails oppression, which comes through a demonic stronghold and attachment, and also uh, could be attributed to, and, and I find this more so uh, than any other thing in my cases, not in all my cases, but a good deal of them, uh, it goes all the way back to childhood if there's some type of wicked and heinous act that has taken place, whether it's child molestation, violent uh, crimes or abuses, you know, against the victim in childhood. Uh, there's a variety of things because um, not only is the perpetrator obviously demon-filled to carry out such wicked and heinous acts, but uh, what happens when a high level of trauma is established in the victim, um, blood and secretions will come out of the uh, pineal and adrenal glands and demons are attracted to that like candy. And it's the most powerful drug on the black market now called adrenochrome. And so um, this all works hand in hand. And when these types of wicked and heinous acts take place, those demons will stay with the victim until someone like me, and it's not that I'm anything special, God just works through me. It's not my power. It's his power working through me to deliver these people. And I thank him and praise him for it. But it will remain and those demons will remain with the victim until someone like me comes along to evict them by the power of God working through me or whomever it is, uh, the agent of God. But that requires someone coming forward or someone uh, bringing you into the situation. Many more will just suffer in this uh, seemingly never-ending cycle. I agree. And usually, in for instance, uh, I was in New York yesterday. I had to go uh, help people in New York. And usually when I uh, go to a city, um, if people get wind of it, then I there's lots of people that contact me for help. So it's just going from one to the next to the next to the next. And, and it was a very busy day and evening in New York uh, as well yesterday. But anyway... Um, that person, the, the first person that I saw and assisted, uh, felt possessed, but she was not completely demonically possessed. However, she was under a stronghold and did have demonic oppression to the point to where entities were manifesting. Uh, she was hearing muffled voices. She was also being um, scratched. That does happen in some cases, and uh, bruised as well. So that is the uh, oppression is the uh, step before a full possession. So I'm thankful that I was able to get there, and God worked through me to free that woman. And she's okay, and she's going to be okay, as well as the other people that I helped also. Now, it is not just 
me showing up and performing these exorcism spiritual deliverances on people and saying, okay, you're good to go now, and I pat them on the head and see you later. It doesn't work that way. I have to sit down. The first thing that I do is uh, when I arrive on scene, I uh, say a series of prayers. I ask God, Yahweh is his name, listed 6,823 times in the Bible, replaced with the title of Lord, where we see Lord in caps that should say Yahweh. Jesus' Hebrew name is Yahshua. That means Yahweh saves through him. Uh, so I invoke the power of God right, right from the very beginning, and I ask him to send giant warrior angels to come and take these demonic forces into custody and do a clean sweep not only over the victim, but anyone connected to the victim, the household, uh, the land, the property, vehicles. Um, so then I come in, I anoint everybody's head with a combination of holy water, holy oil, and holy salt. Uh, I say several more prayers, including a house blessing prayer. And then I sit down with the victim or victims, victim and family, whomever it may be, whoever's involved. And at that point, I have to become a counselor and an ear uh, to get the story. And yes, uh, before this all takes place, they will give me some information, but I have to further that in person when we are sitting down because I have to know everything. And you have to know that what you're about to do is actually going to work and that uh, uh, it actually will work. Uh, so we'll continue with Reverend Bill Bean tonight, Expelling Evil. I'm Jeremy Scott. Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott with the Reverend Bill Bean tonight on Into the Paranormal, Expelling Evil. Reverend was telling us uh, before the break about uh, the process of going through an exorcism. And, of course, it starts uh, well before the ritual is performed, uh, going through a, a diagnosis process, because before you can prescribe the fix, if an exorcism is the right fix, and it is not in all cases, is that you have to diagnose the problem, correct? Absolutely right. And, you know, as I was saying, uh, I have, I'm every bit as much a, a counselor as I am uh, an exorcist, spiritual warrior, deliverance minister, whatever you want to call me. Uh, so we, it's all about being real, and we have to sit down, and it's not that I want to know everybody's deep and dark secrets. I have to know it because um, it's all part of legal rights. So the devil can keep a person under control and actually have a legal right to be there by certain choices and things that are taking place in a person's life. Um, so I have to know it all. And as the person, the victim is telling me these things, and it's very painful, uh, Jeremy, when, when there are people that have suffered, I mean, really had just horrific sufferings, you know, which could include physical uh, attacks from demonic entities, could be sexual physical attacks as well. And it is very difficult for people to sit there and 
bring that up and bring that to the surface. I, I, one case comes to mind right now in Chicago uh, years ago. The young lady, it took her, no exaggeration, it took her at least 30 minutes to try and get the words out to tell me what happened to her in childhood. It was brutally painful. It was gut-wrenching to me. Uh, I felt so bad for her, and, and I felt bad for even asking, but it was necessary. And then once she was able to uh, tell me what happened, then that started popping the lengths of the chains that the devil had built over her. So. Um, the devil, Hasatan, Belial, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, Satan, um, he was once uh, a holder and, and placed in a very high place in heaven. So he was the choir director. He was in charge of the praise and worship music. And we could have another show about who I think he is and who I think he is to Yahweh. But anyway, that's another show for another time. But uh, he held a very high place and, and had great favor on him by God. Okay. We'll say it like that. And, uh, when the rebellion started, I think Yahweh knew that he was going to rebel anyway. And he just reassigned him. And his reassignment was to be the adversary to mankind, because when Yahweh was going to create man, he was going to create us with free will. So, if we are beings created with free will, uh, it was necessary based on free will to have an adversary to mankind uh, as a consequence for bad behavior or bad choices. Now, I'm not saying that people who are possessed, that they're all bad people or made bad choices, but in some instances, people do make bad choices that open the door for this stuff to come through. Therefore, the adversary to mankind, the devil will be right there to send demons in uh, to come onto that person and create a variety of problems and damages to the point to where people feel like they have a black cloud over their head. Nothing ever goes right. They feel blocked. They feel that, uh, you know, everything they do and everything that they touch just blows up in their face. Um, so, I say often that there are two sources from this. All right, hold that thought to Reverend Bill Bean. We are at our, another, our next break point with him. I guess it could happen to us all, but some are more vulnerable. I'm Jeremy Scott. Into the Paranormal continues. Thermal images of a UFO near Baghdad, Iraq, reportedly taken by a U.S. spy drone last May, have reportedly been leaked to two journalists. The images from a video of the encounter are said to be from a United States Air Force Reaper drone that shows skinny cylindrical objects without visible wings or fins. Members of the Air Force reportedly leaked them over frustrations on how UAP incidents are being handled. This sighting was reportedly flagged because of its strange characteristics with no visible propulsion and appearing to be under intelligent control. The shade of the object makes it appear to be colder than the space it was occupying. 
However, the incident may not have been reported to the government's all-domain anomaly resolution office either, as required by the United States legislation. And it's unclear whether United States Central Command, which oversees operations against ISIS in Iraq, has seen the video. I'm George Henry, Paranormal News. Shedding light on everything the lamestream media doesn't want you to know about, and everything else they don't care to investigate. You're traveling with Jeremy Scott into the paranormal. Do you feel like you have a black cloud over you? Do you know somebody who feels like they have that hanging over them? What is going on here? We're talking with Reverend Bill Bean, who is just about ready to tell us uh, what the likely sources are. Yeah, and, and thanks again, Jeremy. I, uh, it's, I'm enjoying being on with you, and I hope everybody's uh, uh, interested in what I have to say here, and I'm trying to be sort of short-winded and give you the shorter version because it's so involved, but uh, it requires, like I was saying, you know, sitting there and hearing the deepest and darkest and most gut-wrenching things from these victims. Now, uh, as I stated before the break, I wasn't implying that uh, people bring this on themselves or deserve to have this or they're bad people or now in some cases, uh, unfortunately, there are bad people that are demon-filled, and by their choices and invocation and invitation, you better believe it. There's lots of people out there like that, and I've encountered some. Uh, but by and large, there are uh, mostly good people that have been victimized that may have willingly or unwilling, knowingly, unknowingly opened doorways for these demonic entities to come in. And it doesn't take much, believe me, it does not. And um, so it requires me to sit there and get the story and, and get the complete story. And as the victim is telling me, you know, all the wicked, horrible, negative, traumatic things that have happened, that's popping every link of every chain that the devil has built over that person by a legal right. So uh, I'll give you some examples. I gave you one. Uh, in what I believe is the most common thread, not in all the cases, but in many of the cases, you know, child molestation or rape or some type of violent crime or, you know, abuse from parents or family members or people close to the family, whatever it may be, even churches in some cases and uh, pastors and priests, you name it. I've heard it all. Um, but when those wicked and heinous acts take place, the demons that are obviously on the perpetrator or perpetrators and fueling this type of wickedness, then we'll go on to the victim due to the high levels of trauma. So all life operates on frequency and vibration, and I'll tell you why. Because when Yahweh spoke the world into existence, he did so from his voice and by his voice. 
That is frequency and vibration. So all life operates on that principle. And so if what I'm saying is true, when we are on high frequency, high vibration, life is good, life is positive, we're moving forward. Nobody has a perfect life. We all have a set of issues and challenges in life. That's life. We live in a sin-filled, fallen world, so we're going to have issues. But the difference is, if we're keeping our frequency and vibration on high and living in the positive, and, and most importantly, in my opinion, uh, keeping God first in your life, then he will help you to meet the challenges and overcome them. But if the person is on low, and I've been there myself, I suffered greatly as a child. My family was destroyed by demonic forces. I was nearly destroyed as well. I've written 10 books. The story is in there. Um, so I know what it's like to live that hellish kind of lifestyle to where you're just absolutely hopeless and, and resigned to accepting this as your life. And when you do that, man, it exasperates the problem and gives the demons even more leverage and more power to create more chaos and more trauma and more damage and more torment. So I think that's why God chose me to do this work, uh, Jeremy. I didn't choose this. God chose me to do it. I mean, who he would? calling on my way to do it. Who, who would choose the right. hell you've, no, no. you've been through? Correct. Nobody in their right mind would choose that. And so, but when I look back on it, I understand why God did it that way, because it was necessary for me to have that level of suffering in order to relate to these people. So if I go into someone's house, or even if I'm having a Skype or phone session with them, if I haven't had the experience, and I could be the most brilliant man in the world, but if I haven't had the experience, how can we relate? We can't. We can't come together. Therefore, there's no trust. Because when people have suffered these levels of traumas, they don't trust anybody, and they certainly don't want to talk about it. So God knew what he was doing when he called me into this work. And so when I contact and, and come together with someone like this, they know they can trust me because they know that I've been there. So it's an instant bond that will form because of me having those sufferings. So that's half the battle right there is the trust issue and, and factor. So then... You know, and sitting down with these uh, victims and then hearing some of the, I can't even say on your show some of the things that I've heard that are just so terrible that I can't even repeat it on, on the air, but uh, I've heard it. And it is gut-wrenching, it's heartbreaking, but it's liberating at the same time. So as the people are giving their testimonies of their sufferings, uh, and once we get it all up and out and off, then I can engage the demonic forces that are uh, attached to these victims in spiritual warfare, bind and rebuke you, cast them out. Now, in some instances, um, sometimes they go easier than other times. And there have been times that uh, I've gone into a person's home in the afternoon, early afternoon, and come out at 3, 4, or 5 in the morning. Uh, it's It's... I'm totally exhausted after these things take place. God always recharges me, but when it's over with, I, there's a, nothing left. A granola bar handy or something? No, I fast uh, during these things. So uh, that's another thing that, man, that requires a lot of faith because when you're fasting, and I'm a big guy, you know, and, and <laughs> I'm used to eating, but when, <laughs> when you're in a situation like this, you got to fast. And, and so that becomes... 
I wouldn't say, uh, how can I say it? It becomes a challenge because now you're not eating and I'm not drinking anything either. You know, I'm fasting and, and so I'm totally trusting and relying on God's power to work through me to not only deliver the person or persons, but to give me that level of holy discernment. So I don't claim to be anything, Jeremy, but what I can tell you this uh, is that God gives me a knowing of things. So there have been many times to where uh, just arriving on the scene before even going into the home, God would show me how many demons, where they're at currently in the home, where the portals are, um, who else is being affected, uh, it's amazing how he does that. And I praise him for it because otherwise I would be going into these situations blind. However, it still requires me to get information because of confirmation. So when the people give me the information, it's confirming what God is giving to me. So a lot of times I already know the person has been sexually molested or abused or whatever, but I need to hear it from them. God has already shown it to me, but I still need to hear it from them as confirmation and breaking the links of the chains that the devil has over them. So it's a very involved process. Uh, and then once I start the spiritual battle, battle against these demonic forces, uh, that can become a very lengthy process because in some instances, not all, um, some of these victims have had many demons in them. I'm thinking of one right now in 2017 that had probably at least 20 or more inside of that person. What about the assessment that there could be thousands? Because, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're putting a number that is, – is there an infinite uh, amount of demons that could possess a soul? Not in my experiences, uh, and the reason that I tell you that number, at least 20 or more, is because I had to bind and rebuke and cast out each and every one of them. And so a different entity and voice would manifest out of this person as I was cast, binding, rebuking, okay. casting them out. Another one would happen. So I don't think now, I could be wrong, but in my, throughout my career, it, throughout my thousands of cases that I've been involved in. I've never seen a person um, possessed by, you know, infinite numbers of demons. It just wouldn't make any sense to me because um, one could be effective, 10 could be effective, 20 could be effective. Uh, so why would you have, you know, thousands or millions that are coming to one person? Okay. I just, um, you know, find that hard to believe. Well, fair enough. I mean, you would know more than we would. <laughs> um, but I have encountered, you know, some of the most severe things uh, to where my life is in danger. My life has been, has been in danger many times throughout my lifetime, and especially um, throughout my career as a spiritual warrior. I've had people hand me their guns saying, I want to shoot you right now. I've had people try to stab me. I've had people bite me, try to bite me, spit on me. Uh, one person tried to slash me with a long shard of glass. Um, you name it. Uh, I have had these things happen and now you're getting into areas that are not only very dangerous, but I praise God for working through me to be able to contain that person and maintain control of the situation and to keep that person from harming me and then helping me to control that person, uh, to keep them from harming themselves as well. 
And I have seen it all, Jeremy, when it comes to the only thing that I haven't seen throughout my career is a person's head turning all the way around. I haven't seen that, but I've seen just about everything else. I've seen levitation, a person levitating off a bed. I have seen um, eyes change, go to all black, all white, um, all red. Um, And even in one case, the lady's eyes turn like a yellowish, greenish type of color with reptilian slits. I have seen all of these things. I've Mm. seen and heard people talk with um, a, a disembodied voice that's coming through the victim. Um, you just wouldn't believe how many times I've heard that, you know, a completely different voice and a male, deep male masculine voice coming out of a female and, um, talking to me directly. And I will say this right now, never have dialogue with a demon, um, because a, they're liars like their father, the devil. So you'd never get anything honest out of them. And B, uh, they want to open a dialogue in order to entice the agent of God into that dialogue to um, lead them off of what they're doing and distract them from what they're doing. So the only dialogue that I have uh, with demons is being authoritative. So if a demon tries to speak to me or say anything, I'll say, silent. I command you to be silent by the mighty power of Yahweh and his mighty and holy name of Yahshua, Jesus, to Christ's name. Uh, And then... The other dialogue is uh, I bind and rebuke you and I cast you out by the mighty power of Yahweh and his mighty and holy name of Yahshua, Jesus, the Christ's name. I command you to depart at once. And again, it's about being authoritative. I cannot go into a situation um, not being in control. So I have to be in control of every situation, cannot show any fear. If you show any fear in any situation like that, you are defeated. And if the agent for God is defeated, then the people that you're helping, they're defeated as well. It's over with. Now everybody's in grave danger because a fear has been shown, and that gives the enemy and his minions control over that agent, the people or person that the agent is trying to help, and the situation. Then you can have a chaotic situation. So, uh, again, I've been in situations that if you were there with me, uh, you'd either be rubbing your eyes or you'd be going, oh, dear God, how are we getting out of this? Uh, But I've maintained control through the most dangerous and chaotic situations by the power of God working through me. We're going to get an idea of what kind of stuff we're talking about is if we don't already have that indication with Reverend Bill Bean. I'm Jeremy Scott, and we will be right back after this short message. Into the paranormal. Paranormal. It's not one of those things you want to lose control of when you're battling demons. As my guest, Reverend Bill Bean, describing to us... Some of the most vile things in the world that you could possibly imagine. Those words being chucked at him and objects literally being chucked at him. So have you ever lost control of a situation, Reverend Bean, uh, where it has gotten too extreme um, and, and you had to walk out on the situation? 
Never once, Jeremy, and I praise God for that. And I always pray that uh, he'll help me to remain uh, in control and uh, able, you know, working through me, able to uh, bring solutions and, and rid the person of demonic entities and bring peace to the situation. And uh, along with that, after the spiritual battle takes place, it's not over from there. Uh, in many of the cases, and it comes down to the decision of the victim, um, I always strongly suggest a baptism, even though they may have been previously baptized, I still suggest a baptism after that because it's the final piece of the blessing and purification process. Therefore, after the baptism, so after the exorcism is completed, then I would baptize the victim and they're presented to God as blessed, sealed, sanctified, purified, cleansed, and made holy before them. Their slate is clean. They can start a brand new chapter and a brand new season in life, and also renew their covenant with God as well. So it's a renewal of the everlasting covenant with God. And as a part of that covenant renewal, I ask God to forgive them for anything that they have ever done that was not pleasing to him. And we all are sinners, and we all have done things. And so um, that is very much needed. Um, not everybody agrees to it, and I can't force anybody to do anything, but I strongly urge the um, the victims to do that, and, and that way they have, A, renewed their covenant with God, and asked for, you know, repented and asked for forgiveness for anything that they may have done, and B, uh, being baptized again, which is born again, and being blessed, sealed, sanctified, purified, cleansed, and made holy before God. And at that point, when that takes place, the person is truly free, and at that point they are galvanized from any further demonic torment or attack. However, after that takes place, I have to go through the entire home, binding and rebuking, casting out any demons that might be hiding or lurking in there, I ask Yahweh to send his giant warrior angels to come in and do a clean sweep and take any demons that may be hiding or lurking in the home or anywhere else connected to the victim uh, and victim's family. Um, and I ask for uh, Yahweh's giant warrior angels to take them into custody and carry them off and deposit them back into the pits of hell where they belong. And after that, which could be exhausting in itself, especially if it's a large home, I have to sit down again with the victim and we put a game plan together for that person's life and moving forward. And that involves the do's and don'ts because if once a person's delivered and the scriptures tell us this, if the person goes back to doing whatever it was that opened that doorway for the, uh, demonic entities to come in in the first place, then seven more wicked than the original will come back, and that person will be seven times worse off than they were. So it is very important that I relay that message, and I often do it through giving my books to the client, which has the steps to take, uh, or even printing it out on papers for the person to have like this checklist. Um, and prayers, certain prayers to say every single day, every day, because we have to invoke the power of God over us every single day without fail. And so it's, um, it's very difficult, Jeremy, because even in my own case, 
when we have these types of things happen, we have uh, an established behavioral pattern, okay, that takes place. And, and whether that is with our day-to-day activities or suffering high levels of trauma, whatever it may be, we develop behavioral patterns. And if we have developed and accepted the fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking and living, then we're you know, in a bad behavioral pattern, which can open doorways for evil to come in. All right, so we'll talk breaking the cycle and much more with Reverend Bean in our second hour. I'm Jeremy Scott from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. If you think this hour was mind-blowing, just wait until you hear what's next. Into the Paranormal, we'll be right back. subjects you've always wanted to know and those you never knew existed until now into the paranormal with jeremy scott across the usa tonight 503-506-0396 is the number in north america or canada 503-506-0396 And from anywhere in the world, you can get through on Skype at ITP51. My guest tonight is the Reverend Bill Bean. His website, BillJBean.com, author of Tales from an Exorcist from the Case Files of Reverend William J. Bean. We were talking about those behaviors, uh, about those patterns or those cycles that we all seem to get in, which can make us more vulnerable to demonic possession. So, uh, Reverend, uh, how do we break that cycle with some of those Um, risky behaviors, I guess. Yeah, the only way that those cycles can be broken, Jeremy, is by uh, truly making God first in your life. And I didn't come on your show to preach a sermon, but I did come here to speak truth. And the truth of the matter is, and and I personally experienced this, having gone through the sufferings and torment uh, and abuse that I went through, my life didn't change until I was sincere about making God first. And when I did that, it was a process. It was not an overnight thing. Now, for some people, it, it is an overnight thing. Uh, God has worked through me to deliver them, and it's an overnight thing, and they never have a problem again. Others, like myself, it is two steps forward and three steps backward. Why? Because a certain behavioral pattern had been established. It's very difficult to break. So it's along the line of addiction. So if a person is, and in my case, Back then, uh, I drank, I did drugs, I grew up on the streets, I hung out with some of the worst of the worst people. A lot of those people were dead or in prison. I could have been there myself. Uh, So I had developed a horrible uh, behavioral pattern, and that came through through, as a result of abuse and trauma 
and a way to check out and escape reality. So this happens in many cases when people have been exposed to this level of trauma, they just simply check out and escape reality through the things that I just talked about and some other means as well. So if the person truly wants to be free, and I did, I truly wanted it, and I didn't want that life anymore, and I decided to make God first, and I asked him to please take all those things from me, and he did, but it was a process. He did what I asked him to do, but then it was on me to uh, not only want it, but to actively pursue being free from it and the behavioral patterns that had been established over me, that I had established through my bad behaviors, um, to break that cycle and to literally uh, start a brand new chapter in a brand new season, but think differently. So I literally traded in the fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking and living in for what I call warrior mode, which is faith, strength, and courage. And when you do that, and it becomes real and authentic, and, and it can only become real and authentic through our effort, when we have achieved that, is the greatest feeling in the world to know that you don't have to carry those burdens anymore. You don't have to be under that type of demonic stronghold anymore. And the sky clears up, the dark clouds are not over your head anymore, and you can start to have a quality of life. Uh, and in my case, I saw tremendous positive change. Uh, again, gradually, because the more sincere I became and dedicated and vigilant to say that, you know, I, I have to look at these things as my mortal enemy. I can never uh, drink again or uh, use drugs or be in the position that I was in, uh, you know, in, in violent situations or whatever. I can't have that life anymore. I can't live that life anymore. I don't want that life anymore. I stand against that. So I see those things as my mortal enemy to this day. And it was so liberating. And, and I noticed that when I made that type of effort, God was blessing me and more and more blessings were coming into my life. So before everything that I did and everything that I touched was cursed, nothing ever went right for me. But then when I made this effort and I was real and authentic and sincere with God, all these blessings started flowing in. So I take this back to Deuteronomy 28. So I said earlier in the show that there were two sources for a person being under curses, and really three, but uh, the first one I said, uh, obviously, through demonic stronghold and um, obsession, oppression, possession, um, attachment, whatever, you know, that's one source. But another source is from God himself. So if you read Deuteronomy 28, he lists the blessings if you hearken on to his voice. There are many, 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 many blessings. He also lists the curses if you do not hearken on to his voice. So there's another source. And then the third source is um, people actually, and this has happened many times throughout my career, and in two instances off the top of my head, I could think of people that died as a result of this, that people went and had curses, hexes, vexes, and spells placed on others, whether it be voodoo, santeria, brahalia, whatever it may be. Um, this is very real, Jeremy, and in two cases that I'm aware of in my career, uh, people actually died as a result of those curses, hexes, vexes. They had unfortunate accidents, I mean, right after these things were 
placed on them. And uh, so there are three sources there from these curses. And it just comes down to uh, knowledge and awareness. And I say that knowledge is power. Power perceived is power achieved. And so we have to, if, if we're going to be real and authentic in making God first, and we want to be free from all the garbage, all the pain, the torment, the hurt, the suffering, all of it, um, and if we're sincere making God first, then we're committed to him. If we're committed to him, then we're committed to excellence. If we're committed to excellence, then we should refuse to lose. Why? Because if God's with us and for us, he's going to stand against us. So in my life to this day, I declare victory in each and every day of my life, and I will do so for the rest of my life. Am I perfect? No. Do I claim to be perfect? No. But I am real and authentic, and I try to do the best that I can do, and I try to be the best that I can be in each and every day of my life. That is real and authentic. My relationship with God is real and authentic. I keep him first in everything. Therefore, by my commitment and being committed to him and being committed to excellence in that way, my life is far more blessed than it has ever been cursed. I am blessed beyond my wildest dreams and imagination. Um, I still cannot believe that God actually chose me uh, and when he first put this calling on my life, Jeremy, I thought, God must have a sense of humor, because how can someone like me be a help to anyone? You know, I'm a, I'm a wreck. I've done things, you know, that I'm ashamed of, and, you know, on and on and on and on. But then, once the transformation took place, and all that garbage was taken from me by God, then I could understand why he called me to do it because he calls the people who have been there to suffer he calls the people that have had the experience and so i resisted this in the beginning for various reasons and one was what i just said uh, you know from my past uh and and another was lack of education because um i've had a lot of tragedy in my life neither of my parents lived to see the age of 50 uh, my mother died at age 44 from a cerebral hemorrhage, and my father was shot to death at age 48, and many other family members wow. died under mysterious and tragic circumstances I'm as sorry. well. Uh, so I had to quit school in the eighth grade. I lied about my age, and I went to work for a construction company, and here I was, a skinny, undernourished kid thrust into a world with some hardcore men, and that made me a hardcore man, and that was the beginning of me um, going into areas of alcohol abuse and drug abuse and uh, violence and uh, um, growing up on the streets and things of that nature because my dad had left home when I was nine. My mother died um, when I was a very young boy and my she died two months after my grandmother died from a sudden series of heart attacks. They, they were the two closest people to me in my life and they were suddenly gone. So it was very, very difficult for me and I was still under that level of demonic oppression for many, many years until I had the epiphany one day that uh, maybe there was a hope in the future. And that if I decided to make God first in my life, then he would take all of this off of me and then bless me. And that's exactly what happened. And so uh, my wife and I got baptized together. And then it wasn't long after that. So I had a spiritual deliverance as well. And we got baptized together. And it wasn't long after that that I felt that God was putting the calling on my life to go and be this spiritual warrior and help people. And again, in the beginning, I resisted it. 
But then once I came to realize that he really was calling me to do this, I spent several years in biblical studies, uh, ancient history, ancient religion, you name it, I studied it. And God has blessed me with wisdom and knowledge far beyond anything that I could ever imagine in my life. And with that wisdom and knowledge came confidence uh, that, hey, maybe I really could um, do this and, and God could work through me to help these people. And I became an, a non-denomination ordained minister. And I started this ministry and, uh, you know, sporadically in 2012, helping local people. 2013, I started traveling out to people. And by 2014, I was traveling everywhere everywhere, two trips a week. Uh, Everything was a blur to me because I was traveling everywhere and uh, I've helped people in 54 other countries as well. And I praise God for it. So this is what happens. I'm a walking miracle and living testament of the power of God and how he can not only save us, but transform our life under the very worst of circumstances, mm. he could still make a way. He makes the impossible possible, and I can never thank him and praise him enough for that. And it was the greatest thing from the very first time that I went and helped a family. I knew what my purpose was, and that's a great thing, too, to know what your purpose is in life. And then I was so grateful and thankful that he actually worked for me to help those people. I can't describe to you uh, in words the level of joy that I feel in knowing that God has actually worked through me to do this, that he continues to work through me to help these people like this. It's just, uh, it's just fantastic. There's no words to describe it. Well, it, it's been said that you are one of the most haunted people in America. Is that true? Well, it was, but not anymore. My experiences are divine now. And look, I've had many experiences in every aspect of the paranormal And it all ties together furthermore. I've written two books, uh, Stranger Than Fiction, Stranger Than Fiction 2, about connecting the dots and linking it all together. Because, uh, and I'm not going to get long-winded on this, maybe we could talk about it on a future show. But uh, when Satan and a third of the angels were cast out, the Benai Elohim, the sons of God, in my opinion, they were cast out in flying craft. Now, Psalm 68, 17 says the chariots of God are 20,000. Okay, so if that's true, then Yahweh has chariots. Why does he have these flying chariots? I don't know. You'd have to ask him. I don't know. Uh, But I do know this, that I've had many divine experiences involving UFOs. I've had demonic experiences involving them as Mm. well, times where I felt like my life was in danger. Interesting. So is there a connection between uh, demons and UFOs? And then I guess that could bring in whether aliens or demons. People do actually believe that. We'll explore more. Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, Into the Paranormal, somewhere between abnormal and paranormal across the USA. My guest, Reverend Bill Bean, talking about expelling evil tonight. As far as a Satan and those angels being cast out in flying craft, uh, a possible connection to the chariots of gods, uh, and uh, some divine and demonic UFO experiences that uh, the Reverend has experienced personally, including those that have put his life in danger, um, that's where we're headed now. Please continue, Reverend. Yes, and thanks again, Jeremy, for having me. It's been... uh 
been great being on with you here tonight. Um, yeah, I've had all those experiences. And furthermore, so when Yahweh, uh, when his forces of uh, good cast out Hasatan, the devil, and uh, the Benai Elohim, the sons of God, uh, they, I believe they came down here in flying craft. And um, so the chariots of God, I believe, are flying Merkaba craft. And so the uh, chariots, uh, once they left the heavenly estate, I believe that uh, when the devil and a third of the angels came down in their chariots, they became flying Vamanacraft. And they came down here, took human women, had sexual relations with them, produced a hybrid offspring of giants called the Nephilim. Yahweh created the great flood because of these Nephilim and rid the earth, which I don't believe they were all eradicated because if in fact they did come down in flying craft, then I think some of them, and I can't prove any of this. This is just my hypothesis and my thoughts, uh, my opinions on this. Um, I believe that some of them escaped this planet in those flying craft. And that's why we see things on Mars, like statues and monuments and pyramids and things of that nature. It's all speculation. I can't prove any of it, but I feel strongly about it. And then they came back once the flood waters receded. But prior to them being eradicated from the earth, some of those Nephilim became man-eaters. The men of the earth could not sustain them. They became man-eaters. And some also went into the forest and had unnatural sexual acts with beasts of the field, apes, bears, dogs, wolves, and so on. And that is the offspring of the offspring, which are, in my opinion, the Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Sabe creatures and people. Uh, they are the offspring of the offspring, and they're every bit as much supernatural as they are uh, a flesh and blood creature. Now, again, uh, this is a very deep rabbit hole, requires a lot of prayer and study and personal experience as well. And I've had personal experience in every facet and aspect when it comes to the unknown and supernatural, that's for sure. Supernatural divine and supernatural evil also. So I believe that um, in my opinion, based on my experiences, and I've also had experiences with what we would call aliens, non-human looking beings on many occasions, uh, standing right in front of me. Um, I think that uh, some of them perhaps uh, and I've had divine experiences witnessing UFOs many times, and I've documented them. Uh, but And those, so I would say, okay, are they part of the heavenly host? Are they angels? I can't say for sure, but what I can say is that the intent felt divine and good and loving and peaceful, but on some of these other experiences, uh, I felt that the uh, intent was hostile, evil, uh, and it's certainly uh, harmful in mind, body, and spirit. My guest, Reverend Bill Bean. I'm Jeremy Scott. Into the Paranormal will continue after the news with George Henry across the USA tonight. Our phone number, 503-506-0396 in North America and Canada. Skype callers at ITP51 from anywhere in the world. More to come somewhere between abnormal and paranormal.
Paranormal News. A chunk from a 1,000-pound meteor that exploded over Texas three weeks ago has been recovered. What was likely a small asteroid broke apart and burst into flames above the city of McAllen late on the afternoon of February 15th, possibly showering the area with fragments. NASA says the size and speed suggest that pieces of the meteor likely reached the ground before burning up completely. Debris that falls on private property belongs to the owner. This is the third recent fireball meteor detected worldwide following one that exploded above France and another in Italy. All three produced meteorites that have been recovered, which is very rare, and scientists say the recovery could help us learn even more about our solar system. I'm George Henry, Paranormal News. Scott, my guest is Reverend Bill Bean, 503-506-0396, the number in North America and Canada to phone in, 503-506-0396. The intent was peaceful, but uh, others uh, appeared hostile in these divine but yet demonic experiences with uh, UFOs and um, obviously some occupants as well that... uh, Reverend Bean was describing. Yeah, that's correct, Jeremy. And uh, in a lot of the cases, not all, but in a good number of cases out of my case files, uh, the victims and or families and people connected to them uh, do have UFO experiences, sometimes abduction experiences, and Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Sabe experiences as well. And I've been involved in Again, every type of phenomena that you can think of, including other cryptids also. And uh, I've seen it and I've experienced it. And I know that it's real. And a lot of people, it, it intersects. So that's why I wrote the two books, uh, Stranger Than Fiction and Stranger Than Fiction 2, just connecting the dots and everything. And uh, there have been cases also to where alien abductions were taking place and the person would plead the blood of Jesus Christ or, you know, mention Jesus or bind and rebuke Jesus, and it would stop. So if that's true, uh, then that shows us that uh, there is evil behind that because God gave us free will. So anything that is against our free will is not of God. So if someone is trying to uh, overcome our free will, that is coming from the devil and his minions. So uh, it is very, very real, and it might sound preposterous to some people, and that's fine. You're entitled to your beliefs and your opinions, but I assure you, uh, based through my personal experiences in case files, it's very real, and uh, it's um, all connected. So what do you think is the more likely possibility that demons are masquerading as aliens or aliens are masquerading as demons? 
Well, again, in my opinion, and this is my opinion only, uh, I believe that the devil has been given a short time here on this earth. This is why our world, especially in America, is upside down and backwards right now. Everything is out of order. The devil has this short time, and he's literally trying to recreate the world in his image after his likeness, after his kind. So I feel that the devil is using um, certain types of what would be called aliens, which I believe these entities and beings are part of the satanic kingdom, uh, these reptilian entities, um, to sort of work through them and give the directives through them onto the power elite of this earth. So therefore, the small number of power elite on this earth, in my opinion, are taking directive from the devil through these reptilian entities. And this is why we have what we have on this earth. This is why we have, you know, every day there's a new catastrophe. Um, there's always, uh, the, the world, especially America, is immersed in evil and negativity. And this is all for a reason. It's designed to keep the frequency and vibration on low. So you may recall a movie that came out, I think, in 1987 called They Live. Rowdy Rowdy Piper starred in the film. Love that. And, yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah, well, we're living that right now, in my opinion. And um, so there is a great deception taking place. Most of the populace is asleep. Very few are awake. And uh, all I could say is that uh, a great and terrible day is coming because God's going to have enough of this. And when he has enough, look out. Destruction is coming. When Jesus comes back this time, it won't be with a smile. It's going to be with a sword. And I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm telling you the truth. And so our whole world, especially America, is being manipulated into this demonic deception. And it always goes back to Isaiah 520. What are those who call evil good and good evil? And that's exactly what is taking place now. So those that are celebrating and lifting up evil are exalted. And those who stand up for good and right and speak out against the evil are vilified. And that's exactly what's happening here now. And all I could say is that if you're on the fence in your faith, it's time to get off the fence. I can't tell you what to do, but I can strongly urge you to get off the fence and renew your everlasting covenant with God and come back to him and make him first before all this comes down. You don't want to be on the wrong side of this when this great and terrible day does come. When is it coming? I don't know. Not even Jesus himself knows this. However, Are you talking of the rapture? Not only the rapture, but then destruction is going to come after that. Yeah, so when people are evacuated out of here, all hell is going to break loose on this planet. And destruction is coming. So um, when is that day? I don't know. God didn't tell me that. He didn't even tell Jesus that. However, all you have to do is take a look around and see everything that's taking place here on a daily basis. And that tells it's me crazy. that it is not going to be too far off when God's finally had enough. So I'm urging all of you out there, please listen to what I'm saying to you. It is time now to come back to God before all this comes down. What does Hollywood have wrong about what you do? Uh, I mentioned the films at the beginning of the show that are coming out. Uh, some are 
you know, getting mixed reviews uh, because of the fact that they may be sensationalizing it. Yep. And it's so I've given 2,500 plus interviews over my career and I've done a lot of TV stuff for many networks. I'm very careful what I do and who I work with. I've turned a lot of opportunities down and still continue to do so. Um, when these types of movies come out, I don't know anything about the two movies that you mentioned. I haven't heard it. I, I watch very little TV, so I'm very uninformed when it comes to Hollywood and entertainment and all that stuff. However, there's not a good motive behind this. There's always an agenda, in my opinion, you know, anything coming from what I call Hollywood. I'm sorry to say that, but that's how I feel about it. Um, is never anything positive or good. Uh, it's predictive programming as well. All you have to do is just connect the dots. And I find it interesting that these two movies would be coming out at this time when there is so much evil taking place in the world. And even people that are under the influence of certain drugs, now they've got one uh, that's called Trank or something like that, where it turns the people into zombies. Uh, it's happening on the streets of yep. Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, it's DC, made it to et Oregon. cetera, et cetera. It's here in yeah, Portland. Well, there you go. So that when people do that, they're under the spirit of pharmakia. That's a demonic spirit of pharmakia. Therefore, the devil has legal right to do anything and everything with that individual, and he will. Don't worry about that. But these movies, uh, without knowing anything about them, I would venture to say that it would be a glorification of evil, uh, sensationalized, of course. Um, and I couldn't be a part of projects like that for no amount of money because if I, and, and this is my problem with Hollywood and the entertainment industry. And I've been approached, you'd be surprised, Jeremy, how, who has approached me to do projects and movies about my life and all this kind of stuff. I'm not going to get into it, but you'd be surprised. But anyway, uh, I turn these offers down because if I can't be real, you know, be me, be real and be authentic, um, then I'm not interested. I can't be a part. I'm not an entertainer. I'm not a clown. I, I'm very real. What I do is very real. So I can't be a part of things like that and sensationalize uh, this kind of stuff. You know, you have to be real and authentic. And in my opinion, and I have, in fairness to them, I have not seen the movies or trailers or whatever. But if my thoughts are, uh, you know, if I'm accurate in, in sharing my thoughts with you about this, then I would venture to say that it will be a sensationalized piece of work with no value whatsoever. Uh, it's just strictly, purely entertainment. And that type of entertainment is dangerous because Satan is the prince and the power of the air, which means the airwaves. And demons can travel through uh, TVs, movie screens, computers. Whether you want to believe that or not, that's entirely up to you. But I'm telling you the truth. They have legal right to travel through the phones, through these different types of devices, because of Satan being the prince and the power of the air. And so when we must be very careful what we watch, what we take in, because it can give the devil legal right in some instances for these entities to come through and create a variety of damage. Uh, this is all very, very real. And so the devil knows what he's doing and he knows the buttons to press furthermore the people that are behind the scenes in this entertainment industry. Now, many that I've encountered don't even have faith at all. They don't believe in any of this. Their bottom line is just to create a product, sell it, and move on to the next. That is their mindset, most of them. Um, 
but there are those in power behind the scenes who know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. It is invoking evil and opening these portals for evil to come through. And this all goes back to the very beginning of the rebellion, and then uh, you could look at the magical practices in Egypt and then coming through people like Nimrod who wanted to be worshipped as God, as a wicked individual, the mighty hunter, uh, and, and many others, you know, even to King Solomon, who became a sorcerer and was summoning demons. And so magical practices are used to this very day based on the magic of King Solomon. Aleister Crowley was one that implemented those types of things, and there are many out there who revere him to this day and implement and use those magical practices. So this stuff's very, very real, and it does affect people in a negative, adverse way. And um, I'm every bit as much a teacher as well as a spiritual warrior and a counselor, so I can confidently speak about these things based on personal experience. So I certainly, everything that I'm saying here, um, I believe is absolutely true based on my personal experience. I know it might sound like crazy talk to some people, but the truth is stranger than fiction. All right. So, what kinds of things like don't happen? Uh, do you do you carry a cross? Do you bring a Bible? Do you have holy water? Uh, does that actually happen? Yes, I do. I have uh, so I have a, a briefcase bag that um, I do have a cross in the bag, and I do hand it to people to hold uh, during these sessions and, and exorcisms and spiritual deliverances. Uh, I also have a Bible. Uh, in the bag, and I pray scripture from uh, the Bible. Uh, always pray, uh, recite Psalm 91, Psalm 23, and others. Um, I use a mixture of holy water, holy oil, and holy salt, sometimes frankincense and myrrh in, in the mix as well. Uh, I even make spray bottles up for people that, uh, you know, for future use, that, hey, if you feel like something's trying to bother you or come back in again, uh, I arm that make them arm and, armed and dangerous, and that is with prayers to say every day to invoke the power of God over their life, and also to have this holy mixture that if you're feeling something and, and something feels off or not right or presence, uh, bind and rebuke it, cast it out, and spray that and anoint your home with it. And it's very effective. So it's all about once the person is delivered, to keep them in warrior mode, faith, strength, and courage in each and every day. We're going to close that, this chapter with uh, Reverend Bill Bean in just a moment after our final break uh, and come back with a few final questions for him and give him the opportunity to tell us about his services and uh, where you can find out more information. Of course, we've got those links up at paranormalradio.com. If you'd like to call in from North America or Canada, it's 503-506-0396, 503-506-0396. And on Skype, you can get in from anywhere in the world at ITP51. We'll see you at the Oregon Ghost Conference at the end of this month. More information up at paranormalradio.com. Stick with us. Into the Paranormal.
I am Jeremy Scott. This is Into the Parabnormal as we wrap up another week together with you. It really is an honor for me to be with you nightly, and I appreciate your support. We've got ways that you can join us at parabnormalradio.com as well. Oregon Ghost Conference coming up the 24th through 26th of March, and we'll be out there on Saturday and Sunday doing the show. Hope to see you there. And then we go to the McMinimins UFO Fest, May 19th, a Friday morning uh, broadcast. You'll want to be there, though, because they've got a lot of good events that are happening during the day on uh, Friday. So don't just come out for the evening festivities. Make it a day. Make it a good couple of days. I'll be out there. Look forward to interacting with you. Live broadcast from both of those events coming up. Details at parabnormalradio.com. Final comments from my guest tonight, Reverend Bill Bean. Our episode, Expelling Evil, talking about tales from an exorcist. So what does not happen in in an exorcism, at least from your vantage point? You know, we, we sometimes see levitations, uh, the cracking of bones. That one just gives me uh, the shivers. But what are some things that necessarily... Uh, maybe arson are a little bit overblown uh, when you see them on, on TV or in the movies? Well, the only thing that I haven't seen, Jeremy, is a person's head turn all the way around. Pretty much all the other things that are depicted in the films, I've seen it. And uh, people's uh, limbs contorting and bodies twisting and contorting in ways that the human body just can't without the snap, crack, on pop of bones and ligaments. Busted uh, teeth, out. busted just, bones, all that sort yeah. of thing? Yeah, wow. absolutely. And so it's it's very real. And um, when people are under that level of possession, you know, you're you're at the uh, highest levels now where, where something could go tragically wrong. And you have to completely rely uh, on the power of God. Again, I would never, ever, and you could go back and listen to all my interviews, I would never, ever, and have never given any credit or glory to myself for anything. I always praise God for working through me to help these people because it is He and His power that works through me to help these people. And I'm thankful to Him for that. And I'll continue to do this as long as He'll have me to do it. And uh, so we just have to be real. And so that's where it gets lost, you know, with Hollywood and some of these shows uh, that are sensationalized and uh, really hold no value whatsoever. Yeah. And and I'd like to mention, if you don't mind, uh, just a second, some of the warning signs for people out there who might feel that they're under some type of curse, hex, vex, spell, stronghold, or even worse, you know, with oppression, or they have a friend or loved one that they feel might be possessed. Uh, if you don't mind, Jeremy, I'd like to take a second Please. to mention them. Yes. Uh, High-level trauma that leads to experiencing demonic events and or attacks, playing with a Ouija board, invoking or inviting, conjuring a spirit to come in, fascination with the occult and uh, dark ways, deep depression, withdrawing from family and friends, sudden fits of rage, hatred, anger, evil thoughts, physical abuse, uh, hearing voices, seeing manifestations, having evil dreams, listening to uh, or taking in satanic uh, music or entertainment, um, suddenly developing superhuman strength, becoming physically abusive and having no memory of harming others, wanting to sleep all the time, just having no energy, uh, abusing drugs and or alcohol, 
wanting to keep the home and room very dark at all times, cruelty to animals, uh, feeling cursed like that black cloud, and uh, lastly, wanting nothing to do with God and or Jesus. It becomes an offense to that person just to even mention uh, the name Yahweh or Jesus. Uh, So those are some, not all. Those are some of the signs, and if uh, you or a loved one or uh, are exhibiting any, if you're out there and you're exhibiting any of these signs or loved one, please get help, whether it's me or somebody else. Please r- reach out and get help ASAP. Reverend, a uh, vital show uh, that we delivered for the audience tonight, uh, considering the day and age that we live in. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the program. Thank you very much, Jeremy. God bless you and your family, and uh, hopefully I'll look forward to coming back with you again in the future. Absolutely. God bless you and your family as well, and to our entire family, uh, rest up. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we will roll this thing out once again next week. Uh, Headed onward to the Oregon Ghost Conference, March 25th and 26th, and then to the McMinimans UFO Fest on May 19th. And uh, maybe more later in the year. We'll see. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. I'm Jeremy Scott. Good night and God bless.